Hi, I'm Kirsten Kierweiss, the founder and chief visionary officer of Kierweiss. And what I love about beauty is the empowering nature of beauty, letting both men and women truly stepping into their own empowerment and understanding that beauty is a holistic experience. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Well, welcome, Kirsten. We're so excited to have you here on Beauty Is Your Business today and kind of get into the story of your career and how you established your brand and really have differentiated it from so many makeup brands on the market and are really doing something differently. So kind of rewind us back to your career in makeup artistry and even growing up in Denmark and how that sort of all came together to where you are today. Yes, thank you, April. And thank you for having me. I'm really excited to speak to you. And yes, taking you back a little bit to my upbringing, I did to your point, grew up in Denmark. I grew up, you know, on a farm in rural Denmark and honestly did not know about the beauty industry at all. I grew up in an environment that wasn't really exposed to that whatsoever. However, I always dreamt of doing something creatively and knew that I was going to end up in that field somehow. And eventually the sort of avenues of life took me down to go to a school in Paris called Crochant Chevaux, where I attended, you know, a makeup program for a year. And I just loved it. It, in essence, was a creative outlet. It was like painting, but it was painting on faces. And I started working in the fashion industry on a very small scale in Denmark immediately, and then eventually expanded into larger areas of Europe, Germany, Scandinavia, lived in Paris for a short while, and then eventually I moved to New York City in 1997 to pursue a career as a makeup artist and see if I could play on a larger scale. Amazing. And and at what point did you kind of get this idea of starting your own makeup brand? Obviously, there are so many brands out there. It's hard, especially at that time, to break into the industry, your own product line. So how did that come about? It really started from that firsthand experience that I had. It started in Europe before moving to the States, and it continued as I started to work in New York City, really just seeing firsthand the volume of issues that the models I was applying makeup to were having with their skin. And there was no doubt that there was a direct sort of connection to a lot of the products that I had in my kit at the time that were in the conventional space. And obviously conventional has changed many times over as well since then. But that really got me thinking if there was an opportunity to remove some of these products and and see if I could find some alternatives in the natural space. There just weren't a lot around at that point in time. This is around 2000 and 2003. And so that in essence became that light bulb, I would say, that went off for me thinking, you know, you really have these beautiful formulations, these incredible ingredients in the natural space. The green world always lived on one hand side with these ingredients. However, it just didn't have the performance and it didn't have the luxury aspect attached to it either. 
But then you had the conventional that, in my point of view, you know, had a questionable ingredients profile. However, it had the performance. It had the luxury aspect. So if you could take these two worlds and merge them together into one, it could, in essence, become a new category. Because you're totally right. I mean, the worlds, even back then, honestly didn't need any more beauty products or any more beauty brands. But from my standpoint, it really needed a new take on beauty. And so that is, in essence, what I set out to do and started working on in 2003. Wow. I feel like to see that hole in the market and to kind of be ahead of the trend in so many ways is pretty remarkable. And obviously, like you said, there wasn't really much out there at the time. So what are some of the challenges that you had to overcome in starting the line? How did you really begin? You know, what kind of products? What was your approach to packaging and that type of thing, sourcing ingredients and formulas? I know, you know, in hindsight, I think it's probably good sometimes that you have no idea what you're getting yourself into because... I had a vision that was really it. And I obviously needed to find a lot of people around me that could support me in this vision. And so I started going to trade shows. I went to Cosmoprof. I started in the U.S. because I was situated in the U.S. at that point. But eventually I found a key manufacturer that we work with to this day that really is, I would say, the foundation of the brand in Italy. I really just connected with them. I knew we had a similar vision in what could actually be put into place if you could do it in, in a completely uncompromising way. And so I started working with them, just doing sampling, while in parallel to that, I had this dream of creating a packaging. I've always loved design. I sort of grew up in essence, without really knowing it, around mid-century design and had an affinity for that and thought, you know, it could just be beautiful to take that design aspect, move it into green, to natural products, where at the time, you know, it was very natural looking and not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. That absolutely has a place, but why couldn't it be a design-like experience? Why couldn't it be a luxurious experience? So, with that, though, I really, you know, had had the experience of working as a makeup artist in the field for over a decade at that point and seeing the volume of products that I would go through on a yearly basis. And it was just an enormous sort of unconscious approach to just buying and tossing of virgin plastic. So I really wanted it to be a sustainable approach combined with luxury. I started working on that with a dear friend and designer of mine back in Copenhagen. And we got pretty far just working in materials that had that sustainability to them, aluminum, wood, cardboard. However, you know, eventually I teamed up with an incredible designer called Margatna. And so now I had the key pillars to this operation. I had the manufacturer and I could see real progress happening on the packaging side as well. And then really just working towards this goal, you know, like step by step, sort of checking the boxes one at a time and eventually launching the brand seven years later in 2010. Oh, that's a long period of time building up to a launch. Usually you hear two years maybe, but I can tell the detail and the, that you were doing something really that nobody else had done before that obviously takes a little bit more time. So 
What was your approach when you were launching in terms of positioning, retail, where you were going to place the products, and how has that evolved over time? Yes. And I would say to your point that the seven-year time, absolutely, it does not have to take that long. I was working full-time as a makeup artist, and there was kind of this organic process that just started to take place. And by launching it in 2010, again, sort of going back in many ways to the naivete around how do you launch something? How, what's your distribution plan? It was a lot learning by doing. I launched it initially very small in Copenhagen with niche boutiques, you know, like just small independents. And eventually I launched with Space NK at the very, very beginning. And so it was a one-woman show. I was at the point in time still working full-time as a makeup artist, so I was running these things at night and on the weekend. And what I invested in in the beginning, you know, obviously this is way before social media, was really press, you know, having a really strong press office in New York at the time and investing in that and making sure that I got as much visibility as possible in Scandinavia, where I launched, also in the UK, and then in the US. And then eventually, you know, learning a lot from being at Space NK and from their standpoint as well, that introduction, this type of product, which in essence really was this merging of two worlds coming together, natural and luxurious. Yes, it works, but it is certified organic. That I think, you know, they would agree to this day was probably a little too premature for them to launch. And it was certainly too premature for me to launch into that many stores. So we basically separated amicably and I sort of pulled it back, started getting some more people involved in the office and then sort of reset everything and started working mainly in independence and online stores and then slowly growing it step by step. To the point, I would say like 2016 is when I took a large round of funding and I stepped away from working as a makeup artist and devoted my time full-time in the business. Incredible journey and how you kind of pivoted and adapted as you know you tried different things. So that's really interesting. And I'm also curious in terms of as the brand grew, you know, what you saw with your customers was working and what wasn't working, how that influenced the products that you launched, and also how ingredients and formulas being available influence what you launched in terms of like keeping your organic standards and, you know, the sustainable packaging. Any challenges around that? I would say the major challenge from a marketing standpoint and also a challenge to get it into the retail doors, et cetera. It's really re-education in terms of what beauty could be. And that, in essence, you know, has continued for over a decade, you know, since we launched. Obviously, now it's at a whole different place. But it does come with a lot of education explaining this is a refill system. So in essence, for a retailer, you have to buy two pieces. You have to buy the filled piece, the initial purchase, and then you have to have a refill. There was also a lot of education that needed to happen about the actual product and how do you position it? How do you position it? Is it luxury, as I was saying before, or is, does it sit in the natural space? And in essence, it's like, well, it sits in a new category because we operate in both. We have the performance of conventional, but we also have this other ingredients profile 
and then it's sustainable. So in essence, it should be sitting more in the green space when it comes to the packaging, but it's really a luxury product and a luxury price point. So I would say like the challenge really was in the educational piece over and over again. And obviously that translates to the customer as well. So having a lot of trainings, a lot of going over again and again, as stores maybe have new salespeople coming in, that has been a lot of our work in the first two, six years into the game. And then after that, it's like the industry started to really move in that direction as well. You know, like the terminology of clean, the terminology of hybrid started to get introduced, which we had already operated in, but it became easier that way. And from a, an ingredient profile standpoint, again, you having just a very, very strong partner that for me feels, you know, almost like a vertical because we have such a, a close-knit relationship with them. I have relied a lot of their contacts of suppliers as we needed to scale, as we needed to grow, really growing with them. And I think just overall, you know, like the demand that is happening from the food side, you know, I remember when I first moved to New York, the only organic produce you could really get was sort of like the natural corner store and then Whole Foods has moved in. So, so the overall demand has risen on multiple fronts. And so that obviously also means that more farmers go into, you know, farming organically, et cetera. So it, it kind of works hand in hand. Right. Over, I guess, the history of the brand, what have been the hits and misses in terms of product launches specifically? Is there anything that surprised you in terms of something that did really well or anything that surprised you that it didn't do so well? And how do you kind of adjust your launch strategies based on what consumers tell you? I think what surprised me positively was the fact that when we started stepping into skincare, that was very natural. It was like a natural entry in essence, because it makes sense for the brand. It makes sense that our proposition in the space is not a proposition of, oh, we are a color brand that really operates in bright colors or certain formulations. What we have as a, I think the unique sort of DNA to the brand is really the ingredients. It's the formulation. It's using Mother Nature's bounty at her best only and being able to provide a product that performs at the same level that one should expect from a luxury brand. So with that, the skincare managed because it was a natural extension, I think. I think that's what our customers felt. And it's certainly what I felt is that's a natural integration because beauty is not something that stops just at the chin. It doesn't stop, you know, with a lipstick. It's really a holistic experience when you think of the skin as our biggest organ. So that, in essence, has been surprising. And we launched an eye balm several years back that has just catapulted for us. I think its formulation, the way it applies, the way it performs has, I think it's beautiful, but it has taken me by surprise, the love for that particular product. A product that I thought would be doing better and that we have had challenges with was the first round launch of a round of lipsticks. Lipsticks has been one of the most challenging products for us to produce 
not being able to use silicones, as an example, because you need to have that softness, even if it sits, you know, in a cold temperature overnight in during wintertime, it's still possible to apply it with softness in the morning. Yet it can't be so soft that it actually gets too soft in the bullet. So I felt we had nailed it. I felt it sat in a really strong place. But I think at that point in time, it still needed that extra 5 to 10% to really hit the sweet spot of a conventional lipstick. So I remember thinking, wow, we have to get back up on the horse and redo this. And it's just part of this journey of working with the types of ingredients that we do. You know, like it's, it's like being in the wine industry. No harvest is ever the same. So there's just a lot of fine-tuning and adjustments happening generally in order to stay true to the first product, meaning if you have a, a hero product, it can never change. So it's a lot of hand-holding that goes into it, but it's a passion project. So I invite it in with pleasure, but it's just to explain that it is a different scenario than working in synthetics. Right, for sure. Has there been anything that you have not been able to launch yet that you've wanted to based on the limitations of what you're working with, or you feel like you can kind of finesse it to make it happen? Pretty much. I think the only thing that we haven't been able to, and I am okay with, I can live with that, so to speak, is anything waterproof. That requires synthetics in order to really have that hold capacity. And so, you know, maybe one day we'll start working on it and see if we can actually nail it. But so far that really has, from what we've been working on as products we wanted to launch has been one product that we're not able to do. I'm curious about what is your customer base generally? Has it changed over time? Is it a specific demographic? Does it kind of range? And did that surprise you at all or has it surprised you over time? I think the demographic in general, if we look at our data, is the key customer sits in an age group, sort of early 30s. But in essence, what we also experience, you know, from obviously speaking to our retail doors, et cetera, there's a bigger group of younger customers that have come on board. I think that ties into social media happening and us being presented down that avenue now on TikTok as well. But I also think it's because we introduced a secondary possibility in terms of the primary packaging. So in essence, you can pick one that is less expensive, which obviously invites in the possibility for a younger woman to shop with us as well. But I think I really look at our customers as a customer that most of the time already has an approach to a healthy regimen when it comes to her food. She probably always shops organic foods, et cetera, et cetera. But I also love seeing and hearing, for instance, from the makeup artist community that we work with, that they love the product, you know, considering the variety of products that they are familiar with and have access to. So it's in essence a long-winded road of saying the sort of age demographic sits that sort of early to mid-30s, but it really is expanding all the time. So it's more a type of woman that feels attached to a color product that does something more than just a buy color. Because for me, it really is a skincare product as well. In essence, you buy it for the color most of the time, but you get the skincare benefit. You 
apply ingredients to your skin that from my point of view, you know, are life affirming and just really good for your well-being. And I think we're going to continue to see it grow. You know, I really just welcome the fact that over the past decade, it's gone from being niche to snowballing into being the new norm. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's amazing to have been in the forefront of that and really done something totally different that other brands hadn't yet done before. So, and it's exciting to see it just continue to grow. And like you said, new people being exposed to the brand. So that's amazing. I'm curious, what do you see for the future of the brand? And like, what is your strategy in terms of launches? Obviously, the brand isn't launching a new product every month, like a lot of brands are. They're not, things aren't coming in and out. I feel like the launches are always very thoughtful. So, what is that sort of strategy that you follow? And what do you see as the brand's evolution into the future? Yeah, I think the strategy for our launches, I feel the We've obviously had white space that we wanted to fill, and we still have that to a certain extent. But overall, you know, whenever we step into, you know, like a new product development plan, what do we want to see in 2024, 2025? It really has to be products that make sense for the brand. It has to be products that offer something unique. Obviously, we're not inventing the wheel with every product. Far from there, you know, we just launched... As an example, cream browsers, we just launched tinted lip balms. But what do they offer that, from our standpoint, is different to what was already on the market? And the majority of that really sits in the formulation. It really sits in the uniqueness of production process, everything that takes place at our the manufacturer. But it's also the quality of ingredients, it's the organic nature of the ingredients, it's that resonance with the skin. And then you combine that with a performance that I think is on par and certainly sometimes better. Uh, and I say that with a lot of humility, but the way it feels on the skin, that's the feedback we get over and over again. It's really the what it does to the well-being, if that makes sense. It is the uniqueness of how these ingredients apply to the skin, how they feel on the skin. It's always this, I don't know what it is, I just love it. And so I think of a new product from the standpoint of, is this something our customers, our loyal customers will finish to the last drop? Because then it makes sense for us. Then it makes sense to add, whether it's in the skincare category, where I see us really moving into more and more. And it could also be that fragrance is something that I would love to dive into down the line. Because there's just alternative ways of approaching fragrance as well, as an example. Very much a thoughtful approach, very much an approach that just has to make sense for the brand and what we've created so far and then how it actually makes the whole experience of using our products better. So whether you incorporate that in your skincare so that eventually once you wear the makeup, it actually applies better, it has a longer staying power, et cetera, et cetera. So that's very much the thought process behind it. And then, as I said, in terms of the future, it's really to sort of expand into skincare. It could also, you know, be, as I said, fragrance, continue to expand in color, but just really have it be a thoughtful approach so it doesn't feel like just a filler, like a filler of something we need to fill some quiet time or some space in the calendar. 
There's so many evergreens to go back to. There's so many things to tell about the products that are already in the line. So I think that is a beautiful way of, of constantly going back to the jewels that I think are already in the line. I love that. It's amazing. And kind of to circle back to what something you mentioned before, I'm really curious about, I feel like it's rare to see a quote unquote, sustainable, natural brand work with makeup artists because you were a makeup artist, you know, they're courted by a lot of conventional brands and they look for certain qualities in the products that they need, you know, for the results that they're looking for. So how has that relationship benefited your brand and how have you sort of fostered that where it could be kind of challenging for other brands in your category? I think definitely through relationships over the years and what was the, I would say the proposition for the brand initially was the performance had to be uncompromising. You know, I think my background as a makeup artist put me in a healthy position in terms of producing products and knowing what works and what doesn't work. And having had that many years in the field already, seeing firsthand what types of shades would really cover a wide range of skin tones, as an example. When does something get a little too red or a little too yellow? So those types of things were key to the line from the get-go. And so being able to share that with makeup artists and hopefully they see for themselves that it has been a thoughtful process put into each product has been kind of just this beautiful partnership back and forth. I love hearing their feedback. I love speaking to them and say, what else would you like to see? What do you feel is missing here? Like, are there... Let me know and, and sometimes, you know, sharing samples that I'm working on with makeup artists for their feedback is hugely important as well. And I think also, in addition to that, the space, a lot of them, you know, work on celebrities. There's just an, a natural demand these days for using natural products. And it's become an easier switch because the performance is uncompromising, as it should be. Definitely. And it's a good position to be in. So congratulations on all your success and building all these symbiotic relationships, both with customers and artists. Obviously, I've tried the products and they really are amazing. So thank you for giving us an in-depth look behind the brand and all that you've done to build it. And can you let our listeners know how they can best connect with you and the brand? They can DM us on Instagram at Kiawise. They can write to us at our customer service on our website. Okay, perfect. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Kirsten, for taking the time to be with us today. We really appreciate you sharing your story and your insights with our listeners. Thank you to everybody for listening. Check back soon for another great guest. I'm April Franzino, and this is Beauty Is Your Business. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 